be one journalist of the year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat, and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show, brought to you by Bay Area Socially Aware Benches, your number one source for the athletic benches to hold all of those players who won't be on the field this year. Whether your players are nursing an injury, a sheer liability to the team, making a bold and controversial stand, or just making an ass out of themselves, our benches are ready to hold up their asses. Remember, when you need to make a stand by sitting down, think of Bay Area socially aware benches with possible expansion plans in Minnesota. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and welcome to the Labor Day edition of the Jim and Mickey Show. I believe this is our roughly two-year anniversary, the end of summer, the beginning of fall, the beginning of awards season. Mickey, how are you this morning? I am doing well, and thank you all, and welcome back to another episode of the Jim and Mickey Show. And uh, as Jim said, it really is kind of the end of summer, and yet the beginning of like a whole nother season for everyone. I guess this is why they do that whole seasons change thing. This is where yeah, the Beach Boys really start like... singing in minor keys. <laughs> <laughs> I've always argued this is the real New Year's Day. That, that, you know, basically, yes, we do it in January. Everybody goes out and drinks champagne and, and gets come tipsy. Uh, but really, that when you think about it, you know, it's the, the beginning of the school year. Uh, folks go back to college. Usually a lot of people are starting jobs because people are going off to, to college or, or law school or things like that. Uh, and obviously it's a kick of, of the, the only real sports season that matters, football season. Right. Um, and so as a result of that, this is when it feels like, okay, a new year is beginning. Yes, it's very much, you know, we talked about a little bit about back to school last week, but reality is it's kind of like back to life. Yes. More than back to school. It's very back to life. It's fall. You know, your kids are going back to school. That means you need to stop messing around and doing summer stuff. I don't know about oh. you guys on the coast, but here in South Texas, we've been flat out hunkered down. I mean, there's been days when I haven't seen anyone outside at all. It's been a brutal summer, and I will be glad when fall gets here. I think that this is the first time, Dave, um, since I have lived here in, you know, what is considered the semi-south, um, that... Our humidity is really bad always, but this is the first summer that I felt people actually seemed to be oppressed by the heat. And like you said, we're even, it was too hot to even go outside. Like, you know, obviously I have my little, my little pool and there were days when all I could manage, and I know you're going to feel a great deal of pity for me, was to like walk out, jump in the pool and then run back inside. How about a gym? Because pity? breathing the air was like painful almost. Nope, not pity. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. I was, like, I was like, I'm not going to get any pity. I really tried. True. <laughs> it was say, too hot to be in the pool, damn it. <laughs> for Dave, September marks the month people can come out of their houses again. <laughs> I'm not so safe. sure of that. It may not be till October around here. It's been the brute. I was going to say that. Uh, so I, I hadn't realized that technically fall is the start of award season. I always thought it was more of a, a spring thing. But uh, Mickey, you said that, you know, 
Apparently, the the video, the the MTV Video Music Awards were this year. Was it was it was it held in Botswana or something or some far off? I feel like I heard nothing about that this year. I, you know, I think that there's a reason that you haven't heard much about the VMAs this year. And usually, the VMAs opens with something so scandalous. You know, keep in mind this is when. This is where Madonna did her first Like a Virgin performance. Britney Spears kissed her. I think that happened. Well, yes. Yeah. Starting in the beginning, though, this was in the 80s. Okay. And the very first VMAs was when Madonna rolled around and did Like a Virgin. So it's kind of known for its outrageous and outstanding performances. Um, Up until the point, as you mentioned, um, back in 2003, when Britney and Madonna actually kissed. And kind of there, everyone felt like it was like a passing of a torch type thing, except for then 2007, Brittany proved that maybe not so much. Yeah. That's the one where she had the snake and looked so high she couldn't function. <laughs> Little did they um, <laughs> So each and every year, there's usually a crazy performance. What happened this year was a little bit different. I don't know if there was a note sent out or if MTV just made it very clear or if maybe the artists took some ownership themselves. I doubt this. Um, there was very little, if any, political talk. The big discussion was leading up to it that Beyonce was going to be performing. That was a last-minute announcement. And that Kanye West was going to have four minutes unscripted airtime. <laughs> yeah, that was the news going into it. So, needless to say, you know there were some things that were of interest. But here's what happened. Beyonce performed for 17 minutes, and it wasn't that good. Um, and it ended up cutting into a great deal of the other program, in my opinion. It felt more like a like Beyonce promo, as per everything she does, than <laughs> anything else. And then Kanye gets out there, and he's got four minutes. Again, no notes, no teleprompter, no nothing. So people are literally like, <gasps> you can hear a pin drop waiting for him to open his mouth. The pin from a hand grenade. That's what kind of pin dropped. <laughs> but you know what he said? Oh, no. <laughs> what? He said... I, I I don't get it. He's like, you know, we're we're all blessed. Everybody here is blessed. Uh, we're supposed to be having fun. So he's not going to leave the country after <laughs> and all. And he proceeded to then say that he loves everyone equally. And then did a little tiny slam on Taylor Swift and said, and that's why I called her. <laughs> because for those of you who aren't familiar, he used the line, I made that bitch famous in the song <laughs> Famous. She made a big deal about it, except for he actually did, in fact, call her. It was on video, and they caught her lying about it. Um, So it was one of those things where Kanye said the opposite of what I think the media expected him to say. He did not come out and rail um, in favor of, you know, one of the black movements or anything like that. Instead, he came out with a much more like everybody in this room is blessed. Be thankful for what you have, and why can't we just have fun? Music is supposed to be fun. And I thought that was probably why he didn't get the coverage that he normally does. Actually, in some ways, wouldn't making sense be the single most surprising thing Kanye West could possibly do? Shocking. <laughs> stunning. <laughs> he always does the opposite. He of did what? what? He did nothing? <laughs> the only thing that could have been more surprising is if Kanye West goes out there in front of the audience and says, you know, uh, friends, celebrities, Americans... <laughs> I want to talk to you about an issue important to my heart, the national debt and the need for entitlement reform. <laughs> I will just say this. Um, you know I love Kim Kardashian and all of her faults. 
And I truly believe being around the Kardashian family has started to impact the way that Kanye thinks. Now, don't get me wrong. The man is a... The Kardashians are a stabilizing force. An intellectual uplift. They are constantly reminding each other, um, and they do a lot with giving back, um, is that they are blessed. And they seem to legitimately recognize that. Um, They they go to their churches. they, They have great children's charities, things like that. Um, so they seem to recognize the level that they have, and I think it's good for Kanye and, well, quite frankly, half of you know those that are considered celebrities to be a little humble sometimes and remember you know how they got there and how lucky they are to be there. I miss the old I mean, we Kanye. We saw that this week with you know all the the different things that are said, but I think it's important. Um, on that front, I think the other thing that made the VMAs somewhat of interest is everyone was really excited about Britney performing. Britney Spears, that is, for people who didn't know. And she hadn't performed in years. It was a big comeback thing. And then they let Beyonce perform for 17 minutes right before her. So, you know, it's kind of weird and off. And if I were Britney, I'd be a little pissed. So it sounds like the VMAs at their very best can be the Grammys except with all of the traditionally offstage rivalries and egos and fears of upstaging and petty jealousies and bickering. Instead of being offstage, it's front and center onstage. Correct. And, in fact, this particular VMAs was one of the worst produced VMAs I've – actually, quite frankly, it was one of the worst produced television programs I've ever seen. Um, It was a train wreck. There were times I found myself going, what is going on? And I felt like whoever was directing or producing must have been related to someone because there was no other way that they got that job. <laughs> Why was that? Was it just like awkward pauses or things? Or It was poorly handled. They didn't have one significant host. They tried to you know, split the hosting. Whoever was directing from the board kept flipping from like one camera to the next that didn't make sense. And again, you know, I know the ratings were down for the VMAs. I'm sure some of that came from streaming audience. I would suggest that the other came from people watching the first 10 minutes and were like, I, I don't even know what's happening. And go. All right. So am I correct, Mickey, that, that the Kanye West interrupting Taylor Swift moment that was, you know, mentioned in the song Famous that he's discussing last night was at the 2009 Video Music Awards? Yes. And- and it's, and it's still something of a major plot line in this one, 2016, seven years later. I, am I, okay, so we're talking about Kanye. We're talking about Taylor, Beyonce, who's been big since the uh, late 90s or so, right? Yes. Destiny's Child, all that kind of stuff. Am I crazy for thinking that may, if, if ratings really were down and it wasn't just all taken away by streaming and there was less interest in this, that maybe we're due for a changing of the guard amongst the kings and queens of pop um, well, these, one these- of the things that we've talked about on this show before is that there's also an underlying WWE aspect to people who follow the tabloids, mm. and that must be maintained. Um, clearly, we know that not everything that happens in the tabloids is exactly as it's presented, but we've also learned that there are people that are extremely famous who have learned to manipulate the storylines that get put out and create that kind of drama between people who are actually friends. I, I'm, uh, yeah. I can't <laughs> you know, think of an incident like that. Right? You got an example? The entire Kardashian crew. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Yeah, as you're describing this, I'm wondering if like this style of, of manipulated rivalries and things like that 
Mickey, do you think one of your favorite, uh, uh, you know, elected leaders of all time, former Texas Governor Rick Perry, will do the same with, say, Vanilla Ice on this year's Dancing with the Stars? Dude, can I just tell you, this is the first time, even even when Heinz Ward was on, I didn't watch. When Antonio Brown was on, I didn't watch. Um, when Antonio Brown was on, I was not watching out of protest because I was like, did we win a Super Bowl and I missed it? Um, <laughs> however, I am going to watch this year's Dancing with the Stars because not only is Rick Perry on it, but Vanilla Ice is on it too. And Ryan Lochte. And Ryan Lochte. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Ryan Lochte, presuming he doesn't get mugged on the way. His hair is um, already not white anymore, by the way. He's trying to shed that image. Dude, Babyface is going to be on. This is actually probably the first Dancing with the Stars where they uh, actually have stars in like six seasons. Will, will, will uh, Kanye be watching in order to see what uh, Amber Rose is doing these days? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and that's the other funny part. Like, he actually did a shout out to Amber Rose during his speech. Ooh, Ice-T pulls out gun and checks load. <laughs> Uh-oh, producer didn't look at the clock. We're on a hard break. Mickey, you want to tease the next segment coming up here? All right. We'll be back. <laughs> that was nice. That was like eight words at once. Take two. And we'll be right back continuing this conversation in the next segment. Marsha, what happened? Peter hit me in the nose with a football. I can't go to the dance like this. Well, I'm sure it was an accident, sweetheart. An eye for an eye. That's what Dad always says. I never said that, honey. Shut up! Time to teach Peter a lesson. Marsha, eat a Snickers. Why? You get a little hostile when you're hungry. Better? Better. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Jan, this isn't about you. It never is. And we're back on the Jim and Mickey show. I'm Mickey White along with Jim Garrity. So Kanye did a shout out to Amber Rose on the VMA. And it was it was really funny because he did it because, again, part of his whole speech was, you know, we're all friends. Like, it's all good. That was not the message that the media nor the black media wanted him to say. So there was very <laughs> yeah. little coverage. I really had gotten the feeling uh, he saw her as a pain in the ass. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's about as dry and understated as I can be about, uh, about Ms. Rose's uh, allegations. Well, Ms. There. Rose does know how to poke <laughs> Kanye in the right spot. There we go. Yes, yeah. She gave him the finger um, on that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess at some point – it's interesting. When you, maybe the, the, we're seeing the transition here, like the, that you appear on um, – at some point your video gets played on MTV since apparently they're doing that again. They've suddenly realized that the M in MTV was for music. Um, and then you become an established star and you're on the, VM, the Video Music Awards for – about a decade, I think after a decade at that point, like you're, you're not hip or edgy anymore. You're not the next new thing. You're now the old thing. And then after that, you end up on Dancing with the Stars. Something right? like Lil that. However, there, right? I mean, you're, you're Vanilla Ice. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of the uh, – actually, of course, it goes MTV, then VH1. Because VH1 was always kind of that older, mellow, I'm a baby boomer and I don't want to admit my, hair, my, my musical is old. And then Dancing with the Stars. It's kind you of like the nostalgic part. DIY Network. Somewhere in there that comes in. Because remember, Vanilla Ice had his own home renovation show as well. He got in trouble for stealing building supplies from the lot next door or something, didn't he? Which he was also buying. <laughs> Which is, by the way, the single most gangster thing Vanilla Ice has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> ice, ice, baby. Word to 
your mother. I'm taking construction supplies. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, word to your mother. Um, I think that it's going to be interesting. I think that it's going to be um, different. That's for sure. But I, I also think that it's important to remember, like, maybe, just maybe, this is how, you know, things are now. We just have to adjust. Wait a minute. We're the audience. We don't have to adjust. <laughs> it's not our... We're observing here. <laughs> well, here's what I will tell you. Um, the, my absolute favorite thing about the VMAs was that my girl, Rihanna, won the Vanguard Award, which meant she got to perform throughout the night. However, the first several performances primarily were her just lip syncing, kind of. Sometimes she didn't bother. And she just danced to her own hits. And then at the very end, she did a very dramatic, very live performance of some of her power ballads that just really showed why Rihanna is really the person I want to be when I grow up. Uh, Mickey, by any chance, do you think maybe that like drove Chris Brown crazy and that's why he wouldn't come out of his house? Oh, dude. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know that there's probably an issue there. Poor Chris were... Brown. He's a shut-in, right? Okay. He's practically a goraphobe. Uh, we could do a whole segment on Chris Brown because <laughs> my issue with it, and I will keep my mouth shut until all the details come out, but my issue with it is this. The girl seems really sketchy who made the call. She called TMZ before she called 911. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm Chris Brown, you don't get in my house without a warrant and my lawyer present. So, you know, again, we've said this before, or I've said this before on the show, that I'm going to be that person that everybody thinks is guilty, and I don't care, because if it keeps me out of jail, I'm doing it. Uh, That's good right. citizenship, brought to you by Mickey <laughs> White and Chris Brown. You heard it here so, first. So, since I only got the, the, the basic gist headlines of it, so it wasn't quite that he was holed up like David Koresh in a, in a, uh, at a pet compound in Waco, but he simply was not coming out. Was he throwing things out the window or Drugs, something like guns, that? Drugs, guns, that sort of thing. They yeah, were perfectly normal behavior, right? <laughs> Nothing to worry about. Maybe uh, it's a little bit more. <laughs> hi, Jim. You're a normal citizen. Your house is being swatted, which is basically what happened to him. She called and said there was a domestic issue and he had a gun. They showed up. He has bodyguards, unlike us, and he has security. And he said, no, you don't get to come in here without a warrant. And, again, when you have that many lawyers around you, you know what to do. Most normal people will be like, oh, yeah, come on in. See my guns. See it my really guns. does sound kind of reasonable not to let the police in without a warrant because you're, exactly. the, you're the guy there. You can swear you haven't been misbehaving and the complainant is a liar. And unless they have a warrant, they really don't have a right to come in. Absolutely. See, Dave? That, I know it sounds crazy, but that's where I'm at with it. I, this is where Chris Brown's sterling character and fine, <laughs> fine history probably comes into play. You know, I think that that's why think? she chose to do it to Chris Brown. Because she knew that publicly he already had a bad reputation. And she thought that it could work. And obviously it's going to. But Chris, you know, if you actually watch the Instagram rants, one of the things that he speaks about pretty extensively is the fact that he has rights and he's going to use them. Don't you come in here without a warrant. I got the right to remain silent. 
Indeed, Mickey, he has rights and also he has a left hand and he's demonstrated he's willing to use both. <laughs> oh, for the love. Like, it's very difficult for me because isn't this something that we do in society? I think of obviously we've talked about making a murder. We've talked about all these different things. But the question for me is at what point is the court of public opinion so important that we forget that the actual court that matters is the one inside the courthouse? Well, public opinion can't jail you. Public, public opinion can't levy fines. No, public but it opinion. can cost you money. It can cost you your career. Um, people are often filing these crazy civil suits, which they don't need to have any legal basis in order to take your money. And so while the whole world looks at you know Chris Brown and we know that he has a torrid past and we know all these things, what we don't know is what actually happened in that house. And what we do know is that if I were in the position that he was in, I would be, as I've said a million times, standing behind my Bill of Rights and my lawyer. And everyone could think I was guilty, but I wouldn't be going to jail. You know, there is a doctrine that I believe police officers work under, which basically means they don't have to get a warrant if they believe that someone's life <clears throat> or, or you know, say health or safety is in danger. Um, and I, I've you know read this in, in the the Bosch novels and all that kind of stuff. That basically they they will sp- say things aloud to each other, like saying, "I believe someone is in danger." Yeah. Yes, I concur, and that's kind of their signal to each other that all right, we can jump over the fence or we can go through the door or something like that. Is that what we want, though? Uh, well, well, here's the thing. Well, one, it's, one, it's, it's there's a pretty well established precedent. But the second thing is, um, I wonder if swatting will will really put that into question because you wouldn't want cops. Seeing, you know, hearing somebody screaming or, or responding to something and, and kind of ignoring it while they're waiting for the, you know, approval of the, the, uh, of the warrant to come through. But on the other hand, you're right. In an era of swatting, which people making false police calls to 911 and doing their best to try to get uh, cops showing up at the door against someone with, you know, who might uh, try to provoke an armed confrontation with the police, uh, you know, it, it lessens that. So you're right. I, I can feel a certain amount of sympathy to Chris Brown. Uh, on the other hand, if the police oh get nine one one, wait, 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 wait. Could you repeat that sentence? Again? <laughs> that I feel a certain amount of sympathy. Yeah. Okay. Look, the police show up at your door, and nothing has happened. No, no, no. just the part where you say, "I have sympathy for Chris Brown." <laughs> I can clip Media that out and play America, it over and over again. You know, <laughs> what are you putting that? No, but if if the police, you, you don't necessarily want the police into your house without good reason, and if you have not actually committed any crime. And someone who's trying to cause mischief and you know dials nine one one. You know that's this is the this is what every victim of swatting fears, and every victim of swatting feels violated. Absolutely. On the flip side, I don't want the police. Like, what are the police supposed to do? Well, I think, oh, I think that nine one one call was probably a hoax. Better not respond. You know, like they have to go there and they have to ask to go into the re- the, the residence. Not right. To tell too much about you know tales out of school or things that have happened in I don't know. We'll say my friend's life or mine, whatever. Is that when what I do know is that when you are threatened to be swatted and you contact your local sheriff's department in advance, in advance, as you're supposed to do, or I thought would be the best thing or some my friend thought would be the best thing uh, was to tell them all of this. And you know what they said? We're coming anyway. (laughs) And we're going to come loaded for bear if that's what's reported. And so I think that that's something to keep in mind. Now, one of the ways that Chris Brown was probably available, or I'm sorry, ab- ab- able to 
keep from being where his home got completely, you know, ransacked, et cetera, was keep in mind, he had security. He lives in a gated community. He lives in a good neighborhood. Um, he's got full-time security that when the cops showed up to say, you know, we're worried about his security or, you know, what's going on in there, his security could say, well, you can wait right outside the gate. We'll check on that. Huh. Uh, except the armed security, I assume, are being paid by Mr. Brown, not necessarily by anyone who Mr. Brown could be victimizing in the location. Well, correct. But again, this requires a warrant. If you believe, we talk about that, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. If you've got security there saying he's safe, then you no longer have that plausible deniability that you thought someone was in danger. Um, so let's say let's let's imagine a scenario which Chris Brown is a really bad guy, and he's hitting a woman, and his security, you know, is to learn to avert their eyes or or not intervene or not deal with anything. Say she deserved it, and when the cops come, their job is to say, "Hey, everything's fine." You know what? What what's police supposed to do in a circumstance like that? Well, I think that one, you're you're forgetting that we all have rights. So if the cops were called in, that means that one, obviously, she has the right to to see what's going on. And in that case, obviously, they want to see what's going on. But in this case, the woman who called in was no longer in the home. She was already out of the house and had already called TMZ before nine one one. Uh, a fair point. Fair and mitigating points that uh, give us good reason to uh, doubt her authenticity. But there's one person whose authenticity we could never doubt, Colin Kaepernick. We'll be talking about professional athletes and the insistence of dragging real-world social problems into the wonderful world of sports right after this. Any place, any time is a good time for Coke. Leather. Of course, why not the best? Welcome back to the Jim Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. The start of the NFL season is right around the corner, and I am about as optimistic and cheery as a New York Jets fan can be. Uh, Mickey, I'm sure, has much more realistic uh, high hopes for her Pittsburgh Steelers. And in this next segment, I don't really want to talk about Colin Kaepernick. What I want to talk about, Mickey, is whether professional athletes realize that when they bring the problems of the real world, there's been this argument, well, we need professional athletes to be more socially aware, more socially active. We need them to help call attention to the problems of the world. And when they do that, they bring some of the grief and aggravation and troubles of the real world into a place that we as fans want as an escape. Mickey, I assume you're familiar with the phrase, stay woke. (laughs) Yes. I don't want to stay woke, Mickey. I want to take a metaphorical nap. When it's my three, three hours watching the game on Sunday or on Monday night, I just want to enjoy the game. I don't want to be reminded of all the problems of the world. I think you and I had a variation of this discussion during the, the pink gloves they wear during breast cancer month. Like, like, look, I know the world has lots of problems. That's why I'm watching sports because I don't want to deal with it. Right? I can deal with it the rest of the week. I can deal with it in my day job. I can deal with it. It is sports. I just want to see if my team's going to win. And I know the answer a lot of weeks is going to be no. But, you know, and I kind of feel like all these professional athletes are like, oh, I have a platform. I have a duty. I have an obligation. Well, wait a second. Like, you're forgetting why people like sports. 
that it's not that it doesn't have anything to do with police brutality. It only has to do with linebacker brutality. Correct. But it doesn't have to do with poverty. It has to do with whether your your quarterback is underpaid at four million a year. Kaepernick is going to get you know, some linebacker brutality this week. <laughs> and we're all looking forward. To yes, it. we are. <laughs> so, I mean, am I unreasonable here, or is it kind of like I really feel like the sports world is on the verge of doing, of possibly ruining itself if every athlete decides their job is to be like a politician. And to become a social activist and all that kind of stuff. Because I, I want the reason I yell at sports talk radio to be completely different for the reason I yell at news talk radio. <laughs> Amen, Jim. And to what I would say, um, I think that what we're seeing is a transition in some people. Because one of the things you're going to find out with athletes that makes them different from the group that they are now acting like, which is actors and musicians and mm-hmm. artists is that athletes actually do have to work their asses off to get to the position that they are in. No one handed them a thing. They earn their position, whether it be in the NFL, the NBA, um, you know, baseball, you name it. The Olympics. We just got done watching the Olympics. Okay, here's my big complaint with the Kaepernick thing. Um, you want to read the entire complaint, please feel free to find my piece at The Federalist. Um, however, uh, one of my biggest complaints that was not mentioned in my column at The Federalist was the fact that we saw and heard from people that less than two weeks ago were openly proclaiming how they wept tears of pride at the Olympics when we won gold medals and our anthem played, and now suddenly are repulsed by it. Mm. Fair point. Uh, you know, a, a, go ahead. To me, this is where you see the hypocrisy. You know, we've talked about Michael Sam on this show. We've talked about others. But the bottom line is, in athletics, in sports, it doesn't matter if the media likes you. If you can't play your position, That's right. you don't get to play. And he can't. And and he can't. He's been benched behind Blaine Gabbert. The reason he got sit down on the bench is because that's where he'll be spending the rest of his career. Let me tell you what happened in the offseason. He had three surgeries and stopped lifting weights and working out. So he hurt himself, he lost size, and he lost speed. Every single advantage that he brought to the game as a player is gone as of this summer, and he is not going to continue in this league. Politics or no politics, I think he's trying exactly. to insulate himself against I think the politics was more fired. of an attempt to, again, like the Michael Sam situation, mm-hmm. draw attention to him, gain public sympathy, hope that he might get picked up by another team. Yep. And I think that you know, no one puts out a you know PR release seconds after pissing off the entire country. That's right. He's trying yeah. to inoculate himself. Well, I was going to say, if you think media... Great rage, word, Dave. Great word. Inoculate himself from any of the backlash by suggesting that he was making a statement that was bigger than himself, which is absolute, excuse my language, bullshit. Even bigger. He's this trying to prevent himself from getting him. fired. He's trying to prevent himself from getting fired by becoming politically radioactive, so the team's afraid to cut it. That's what I think he's up to. Yeah, and they could totally just put him on PUP, which would be... Awesome. <laughs> the physically unable to perform list. Speaking of uh, I don't like Mickey. Look, I, I don't care how much muscle mass he's lost. I don't care how much uh, maybe he's, you know, because of the surgeries, he can't quite throw the way he used to. I, I think he can sit on that bench just as well as he did last year. 
<laughs> I, I don't think he's lost a step in that category. I think, uh, he, you know, if, and here's the thing. I will happily sit on that bench and collect $22 million a year uh, for holding a clipboard, which is I will be the best clipboard holder you have ever seen. And I will I will hold a clipboard. I want to let the NFL know this right now. You guys could make a move, NFL. Listen to me, Roger Goodell. I know we haven't always been friends, <laughs> but think about it. You could be the first person to have a backup quarterback who is a woman. Mm-hmm. A conservative woman standing there with boobs. Not just any boobs. If Kaepernick had boobs like that, he'd get away with this protest thing. On the sidelines, holding a clipboard for the low, low discount price of like $5 million a year. And I am here. You know how to find me. I'm biased girl pretty much across social media. Hook me up, Roger Goodell. And when you know people say, hey, that, that Mickey White character, she can't... Uh, 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 do the job as well as a man. Kind of like, look at the way she holds that clipboard, right? It's, it's balanced. It's, it's, you know. can sit on that bench. I'll even bring him water if he wants. There you go. <laughs> she sips from the, uh, the Gatorade, wears the cap, you know. Uh, no, she knows how to do all that stuff. I got a little no, bit I, different take on this from a businessman's point of view. The NFL built that audience of millions, and they're the ones that invested in it and took a risk. And Colin Kaepernick thinks he can take advantage of that audience that he did not build and that didn't come there to see him protest or hear his politics, and he can just jump out there in front of them for free and take advantage of them. And to me, that's like hijacking. If I was the NFL, I'd penalize him like crazy. If you go get your own audience if you want to do protests. Don't do it with my audience. You didn't earn that this audience. That is brilliant, Dave. Yeah. Well, all right, so here you go. So this is this is the Jim as devil's advocate episode because having defended Chris Brown uh, or expressed sympathy for that the devil so and Chris Brown, um, recorded forever. Ka- Kaepernick would argue he built some of that audience by the excellence of his play, and we should. Put, there was a time <laughs> when he was really good. Like, you know, he, he's he's lousy now, but there we go. They were in the ch- NFL championship three t- three years in a row. He got into the Super Bowl. He was for a while the next big thing. And Somewhere like, Harbaugh is laughing. Yeah, well, you know, you know, obviously for a lot of these running quarterbacks to take a bunch of hits and they're not, you know, the player they used to be. Um, but so it's like if, argue, if look, Kaepernick was an, was a lawyer, was an actor and was playing King Lear and right in the middle of blow wind, crack your cheeks, he sat on the front of the stage and started talking about his personal political views. Would the people get up and walk out? Sure. Would the producers of the, the Shakespeare fantastic. Festival a, kick him out? Yes. God, that's fantastic, day. Dave. Because I, I was thinking about this, about when you, when you see people from an entertainment or escapism realm, uh, a good chunk of the cast of Pitch Perfect did their little music video, mm. um, this is my fight song for Hillary Clinton at the Democratic National Convention. Now, could you imagine Pitch Perfect 3? The music gets going, the opening credits finish, and they're just about to do the opening scene, and then they all turn and say, We'd like to talk to you about the really important issue of promoting women's rights and Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I mean, the audiences would be kind of front. Like, no, no. We want to hear, see the wacky story of these acapella girls and competitions and, and all. You know, like, that's not what you're there to do. And I know there are a lot of performers who feel irritated. It's like, wait, why, why am I not allowed to express my viewpoint because I'm an entertainer? And, and you know, the, this philosophy extending to athletics is like, well, the world as is is already hyper-politicized and controversial and full of, of social media fighting and, and you know cable t- talk show hosts <laughs> screaming at each other and all that stuff. Sports is supposed to be different. We want the pleasure, the calmness, the relaxing aspect of listening to Colin Cowherd and uh, <laughs> Chris <laughs> Collins. The streamer guy from New York. <laughs> the, 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 like, the, I agree 100% in the sense that I, I – 
you know me. When I don't like my politics and my sports to mix at all, I prefer that, you know, my artists and the music that I listen to and the movies that I watch not mix either. But unfortunately, it's nearly impossible. Do I think it reflects in some of the ratings and some of the purchases and some of the downsizing of the entertainment industry? Absolutely. And I think that athletes should take note because while Michael Sam had his you know, 15 minutes, he's certainly not playing in the NFL now. And I believe he was on Dancing with the Stars a couple episodes ago. I went to see the Steve Miller band in the 90s and Steve Miller, little old rock and roller, having fun playing the blues, stopped right in the middle of his concert and spent half an hour lecturing me on environmentalism. The difference between him and Colin Kaepernick, Steve Miller's audience was there to see Steve Miller. He built the audience with his performances and the records that he sold over all those years. It was his audience and it was his right to abuse them. It is not Colin Kaepernick's right to take the audience that the NFL that, that built. That's a fair point. That, that, I think that's an extremely fair point. I think it's a great analogy. Um, I think it's a great way to put it. And I also think um, one of those things that we, you know, we talk about the escapism and what we want to see when we pay the money to go see a movie or to go to a show or, as you mentioned, go see a football game. All of that is about the game. We, we don't care what their political views are for. That's what social media is for. Yeah, and again, this is not you know, a blanket declaration that no one's allowed to say anything. I think you're right, you know, Dave. That you, well, on the one hand, you end up uh, – Steve Miller had earned the trust of his audience. He had earned the authority to talk about what he thought was important out of the sheer admiration of it. Um, but you know there's that old Onion article, the other three members of U2 don't really care about global <laughs> debt relief? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, Bono was really known for this, but you know, Kaepernick is part of a team. Maybe we should pull the rest of the 49ers before he starts going out and saying, hey, I've decided that all of our games are now going to be a referendum on whether we believe the police brutality in America uh, overshadows everything else that's good about the country and whether we should stand for it. And you know, I understand he did address his teammates and try to explain it and all that stuff, but... Um, I don't think Again, he's very popular very in the locker room. I was pleasantly surprised. And actually, I wasn't even that surprised. I was just very pleased, I should say, that there were so many other athletes, specifically football players, that spoke out against him and understanding that. And this is the one thing. Look, anyone who's listening, he has the right to do whatever he wants. The idea now, that this is an attack on the First Amendment is such a It's ridiculous because he's not being jailed. Okay, so let's start there. He's not being jailed. He's being criticized for his behavior, which is 100% my First Amendment right. The First Amendment says Congress shall make no law. It's a restraint on Congress. It has nothing to do with being able to say or do anything you want, anywhere you want, at any time you want. It's a restraint on Congress, and that's all that it is. People don't understand about the right to free speech. It's not granted by the Constitution. It's just protected from depredation from government by the Constitution. And thus, the cynical interpretation that uh, for a player who's on the downside, this is a, an attempt to dodge this. But uh, <laughs> we will, you know, as if you're thinking, ah, oh, you know, this is the worst possible thing that could happen in pop culture this year. Mickey is I'll let you know about something even worse coming around the corner. So with that exciting, with that exciting thought, keep it right here. Hey, here's a great place to visit if you must do some driving. Your independent Texaco retailer. Ask how he can help you get better mileage with quality Texaco products and by practicing good maintenance. He also has fine Texaco gasolines, including lead-free Texaco, all with protective and detergent additives. 
So let your independent Texaco retailer help you get the most out of every gallon of gasoline you use. At Texaco, we're working to keep your trust. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I'm Mickey White, along with my co-host Jim Garrity. We are getting into the fall television season. And, of course, that usually means a lot of new, fun, interesting shows, sometimes very original. And sometimes, as we're about to find out apparently this fall, not so original. Um, Coming up this fall, there will be four, count them, one, two, three, four, new projects on the death of Jean Benet Ramsey. Now, everyone remembers Jean Benet Ramsey as the young little girl who probably inspired the show Toddlers and Tiaras, who was murdered in her home, sexually assaulted, and the Denver police screwed the pooch every which way but sideways on this deal. And now here we are coming up on the 20th anniversary, which is why there are so many projects. Because remember, she was found at Christmas time in 1996. Mm. and it's coming up on the 20th anniversary, and we know a lot more facts now than we did in 1996, and they're claiming to be actually trying to figure out who did it. You know, on the one hand, if somebody had said, yeah, I'm doing, after we, you and I talked about how much we enjoyed The People versus O.J. Simpson on FX this year. Um, there was a dramatization of... Uh, the infamous trial. Then we watched the ESPN uh, documentary series, O.J. Simpson Made in America. And both of them were really good. So maybe if we're all going to, we're going to go back to every mid-90s high-profile crime and mine it for drama. Um, I, I guess I could live if it's done well. Before, are, are they all, all dramatizations, Mickey? Are they, like, is it a, oh. a doc? What, what are they doing? Like, how, how do you um, do four different ones? Okay, well, we have, we have one that's being uh, put together uh, they're all pretty much actually none of them are what you would consider like a people versus OJ Simpson. Okay, not the a majority of them are in fact uh, kind of updated documentaries of what you would have found on Dateline back in the day, mm-hmm. um, or on my channel ID Discovery all the time. And so, in in one of these interviews, it's already been out in People Magazine that you know Jean Monnet Ramsey's brother was considered a suspect. Many people believe that the parents did it. Some believe that Patsy did it. Some believe that John did it. These are her parents and her brother. And the brother is giving an interview for the very first time hmm. talking about his experience. They're also going to be showing, and this is again an ode to like the making of the murderer side of world, they're going to be showing the actual interviews that were, that were done that were then used, I'm guessing, by the media as things that, you know, sometimes they don't always appear as they were portrayed in the media. So I'm going to be interested to see how that turns. I'll be completely honest with you. I have, like the O.J. Simpson trial, read a great deal on this. I've watched documentaries. I've read multiple books on the forensics of it, on, you know, the police procedure of it. I would like to know who actually did this to Jean Benet Ramsey. Yeah, it, it is an unsolved murder and certainly one that grep, uh, kind of grabbed the country's attention for a period. 
Um, now, I, 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 two things kind of come to mind out of this. You mentioned how this may have started uh, uh, toddlers and tiaras. Um, Mickey, you're a former pageant queen. You, you were the uh, Miss Cole and Steel, Pennsylvania, or, or something from your hometown, right? I I was in several pageants, including statewide. Yes, but you weren't like four years old or anything. But I was not four years old. Okay. No. How, how old were you when you started? I, I was in my teens. Teens. Okay. So I have um, longtime friends, got married, had, a chil- had children, um, and their daughter is involved in it. And I, apparently, I, I only saw one half of this Facebook exchange. But apparently, there was some version of, oh, how could you do that to your daughter? You know, this is the idea that, you know, that there's something wrong with a child, who, with a parent who puts their children into uh, pageants. Do you think that stems from John Benet Ramsey? That this sense that it was so shocking to see a six-year-old decked out in the way we're used to seeing Miss America or Miss Universe or something like that, that people recoiled from it and saw, oh, there must be somebody wrong with parents who would do something to that child, to their child. Um, I think so, and and more so, just the consistent pictures of her than her actual death. I think as people watch those videos of her in the little cowboy hat and the shiny, sparkly little skirt and, you know, the big hair and the fake teeth and all the makeup, there was a certain amount of like, what are these people doing to their children? It's like a pedophile attractant. Well, there's an, yeah, it's a pedo, it's basically a pedophile's dream. Um, I have found by watching my, you know, big fat American gypsy wedding, it's also something that the gypsy culture embraces because of all the bling. Um, and their ability to win. Now, look, here's the thing. There are tons of pageants out there. Some of the pageant organizations are, in fact, feeder programs to Miss America and Miss USA. They, you know, these girls, some of them come from very um, poor backgrounds. And they see this as a way out, just as you would anything else that you feel like you have a talent or a skill and you want to do the best for your child. What I think needs to be done, however, is, and it still continues, so it's not like my voice is going to make any difference whatsoever, but I would like to see where they move to a more natural style pageant, Mm. similar to what you're seeing in the adult versions. Um, When the Toddlers and Tierra look was very popular, it was like 1980. Um, When they had all the sparkle and the glam and the glitz and too much makeup and too many curls. And they still have the little girls dressing like that when, in fact, the older women are actually go- moving more to a, a realistic version of a beautiful, talented, exceptional woman. I guess, you know, fairly or not, in our culture, these things like red lipstick and fancy hair and all these things, they're associated with adult femininity. They, they are associated with adult sexuality. And to see them on a six-year-old is, is jarring. Um, and not just in the, oh, I got into mommy's you know, makeup kit. It's like there, there's, you know, real effort has been made to make this small child look as womanly as possible. And I think it presses a lot of buttons in us to say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not, this is not the way things are supposed to be. Um, Kind of, you know, we're, we're coming up uh, close on time, but you know, we, you talked a lot about time uh, series and how sometimes they can generate new leads. Mickey, do you think we'll see something get jogged by this? Do you think that the revel- that anything the brother says will uh, bring us any closer to to justice for the the you know brutal murder of a six year old? I I I hope and I pray that we get just that. I hope that someone and. The truth of the matter is when something like this happens, 
somebody knows the truth. Someone knows what actually happened or at least knows enough, maybe one little like thing that they didn't even think was important. If they know it, they should come forward and tell someone because a lot of times in cold cases, things get hidden in files or you know, not necessarily hidden but lost in files. And just one real quick comment on what you were saying about the sexualization of girls. As someone who was legitimately not allowed to wear makeup until my late teens and was only allowed to wear makeup during pageants, even then, you know, to me, it was a big deal. And I knew that that was because I was going to be having my picture taken and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parents were exceptionally strict. So the idea of seeing me flouncing around, you know, in full makeup or whatever at age six, the problem is not that it looks womanly. It's that it sexualizes them. And I don't have a problem with the idea of dressing them up and they look so cute, except for we live in a world where, Unfortunately, that's, you know, not acceptable when you've got pedophiles running all over the place. I'm not judging these parents for putting their children into an activity that they think will better their lives, that they think will better their child. I think it says more about our society than it does about the parents. Hmm. Probably. Um, And I definitely know that uh, thinking of my friends who suddenly found themselves on the defensive for this. The, the idea that it's the last thing almost any parent would ever want to do, and all of a sudden you do something that seems, uh, in your mind, harmless and a chance for your child to shine, and all of a sudden it turns into people you know, uh, construe a whole bunch of, of darker motives and darker aspects to it that you know, may or may not be fair, but uh, maybe the pageant world will, will never quite escape the, uh, the, the taint or the image there. But uh, So this is probably the... the Biggest and darkest though? segment we've ever had in a show that's had a lot of them. No, I, no, I love dark segments, but more importantly, a question to you and to our listeners, and we don't have to answer this today because I can see the rap sign too, Dave. Um, <laughs> but the question is, what if we find out that whatever happened to Jean Benet Ramsey had absolutely nothing to do with her being in pageants? Always a possibility. Um, I wouldn't pretend to follow the case close enough to, to say either way. The but whole yeah, country I, you know, could, could be wrong. Could not be. Yes, and I think that was an easy scapegoat for a lot of people because mm-hmm. it had that sizzle that we know the media loves. All right, also, rapid if, like Kanye. If, if I don't have my child in pageants, then they're safe. <laughs> right. Right? That, right. That kind of, that's and, that, and, and certainly, you know, if a, pers- if a parent puts their child out like that, then they probably kind of deserve to have it happen. Yeah, I mean, no one would ever put it that explicitly, but that idea of like, oh, they assumed the risk by doing this. And then, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of unspeakable tragedy. It will never touch me because I don't do that. Um, so uh, we're now well past it. We'll be back with stupid human. Tr- uh, uh, human blah. We'll, uh, we're now well past our rap signals. Uh, <laughs> I, I have Jim Garrity. That is Mickey White. Keep it right here. We'll be right back after this. That's what happens when Jim Garrity tries to rap, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. <laughs> How many bacon packages do you look at before you find one you like? Well, Oscar Mayer knows just what you're looking for. 
bacon that cooks up like this with nice, even slices and the best balance of fat to lean. At Oscar Mayer, that's the way we select our bacon, too. Before you ever see it, you get consistently high-quality bacon every time because we do what you do before you do it. Oscar Mayer, America's best-selling bacon. I said a hip hop, the hip it, the hip it, the hip hip hop. You don't stop the rocket to the bang bang boogie. Say up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to beat. Now what you hear is not a test. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. In what has probably been one of the most rap-heavy editions of our program. Uh, Mickey, as usual, is running the Trivial Tuesday uh, Twitter contest, where she kind of asks the question of everyone. And this week was kind of intriguing. It was, you know, the metaphorically stupid human tricks. What weird thing can you do with your body that most people can't? And Mickey, how many of the responses were obscene? Okay, several people, and I want to thank all of our listeners for censoring themselves. <laughs> I'd like to thank all of you for explaining to me without sending pictures all the tricks that your genitalia apparently can do. That's right. That you have surpassed fantastic. our hosts in cleanliness. Thank you. <laughs> yes, that's fantastic. And um, what, what I threw out there, as you know, it just kind of occurred to me that we all have little weird things that we can do. And it came up because I was in conversation over the weekend, and I realized I can roll my tongue. So I can make the – not the trilling of my tongue. I can do that too. But where you actually make your tongue into a loop. It's a giant and, straw. Yeah. And so I'm going to take a picture of that and put it up on our Facebook page. But I found out that that's actually something genetic. Well, not I can do everyone it too. can do that. I can do it too. We're like giant hummingbirds. Show, yes. show us like the nectar. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, one of my other tricks is that I can pick things up with my toes, which I've always been able to do. I have no idea where I developed this skill. I, I guess too. laziness of not wanting to bend over. Jim, do you have no talents at all? Come on, man. Uh, um, I am double jointed in several fingers. Um, nice. So not only can I give someone the finger, I can look really weird when I do it, um, <laughs> meaning that the, the fingertips bend both ways. That's fantastic. We had a, a couple of listeners that came back and let us know that they could wiggle their ears. Um, some I got a great picture from Jones, one of our listeners and followers, who can bend his thumb back to where it actually touched his wrist. Ooh, I'm trying to do that now. I know, right? And then um, elbow to your ear or something. The others, the elbow. I mean, obviously, some people can put like their feet behind their heads. Um, some people can do amazing things. One of our listeners said that if he leans back and gargles, he can make the, what is it, the alva in the back of his throat click against the back of his throat. Sounds like a Bushman of the Kalahari trying to. Yeah, like a click, 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 Man, it's part cicada. Well, I explained to them that I can wiggle my nose like a bunny. And, of course, the first question was, do you get magic tricks with that too? And I was like, no, it's not like Samantha from Bewitched. It's like a bunny. Like, she did the back and forth, back and forth with a, you know, glass. I can actually wiggle my nose like a bunny. It's just a little tiny twitchy more than a wiggle. Just say the, uh, uh, you know, I have nothing to say here. Darn it. Changing the world for the better. The Jim and Mickey Show. So, what, were there any, um, any truly disturbing options amongst the uh, things that with their body any snake-like abilities to transfer you know, you know squeeze through uh small small openings and things like that any skin shedders out there 
Uh, we did not have any skin shedders. Um, however, like I said, we did have some people that had some really, again, interesting and genetic. Like, it makes me wonder to a certain degree, Dave, if, you know, that means that we're related. Well, I think we are. Ears, tongue, straw. I think the whole shebang. We're giant hummingbirds from the hummingbird family. Apparently. And I say this because, well, quite frankly, it's um, I, I've got we've got one listener. And here was one that I thought was really cool. Uh, Brenda suggested that she can pick up a wine glass between the toes of her right foot and drink it without spilling a drop. Wow. <laughs> that is a skill. I mean, I, I feel like that is a skill that is one that, you know, you, you just don't see it all the time. Um, and then uh, someone, a lot of people were predicting the demise of civilization, et cetera. I told them that wasn't a skill. Um, there are <laughs> other people that can curl their tongue. Our, our great friend, uh, Jazz Shaw, told me something, and I don't get it, so listeners, you're going to have to let me know. But he said he beat the cinnamon challenge, and it's he has like, the video to prove it. Yeah, that's Dave, just a hideous. It's not like you recognize that. Horrendous ordeal where idiots get drunk in a group, and then someone tries to swallow a dry spoonful of cinnamon and practically dies. And I don't oh. know. I don't know how you beat that except by living. So <laughs> I guess. All we right. Did. So I'm going to guess that he didn't do that. But he says he also can juggle five golf balls at a time. <laughs> See, now that's a genuine skill. That's yeah, right. You make a living challenge, kind of like the can you drink a whole gallon of milk in one sitting? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I, yeah, it's, it sounds very similar to me. I, but again, I, he's like, look it up, look it up. And, and judging me all over the place because I didn't know what it was. And meanwhile, I'm like thinking like, well, is it really a skill though? It's the same level of skill as guys who get in the shower and pour lighter fluid on themselves and set themselves alight for fun. And they think they won't, <laughs> they think they won't get burned because they're in the shower. Man, you're skilled. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not really the first thought. That well, comes I want to thank everybody who participated this week. Um, you guys always give us the best things to talk about. We love to interact with you, so uh, we encourage you to head over to our Facebook page. Give it a like. Feel free to post things there. Ask us questions there. It's a great place to meet other listeners as well, and it's Facebook.com, Jim and Mickey Show. You can find us every single week on SoundCloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. And on that site, you can also find all of our previous episodes as well. Do look for us on iTunes, Spreaker, the 405 Radio, AltCon Radio, and several other programs. We are expanding every week to other podcasts available. Um, if there's some place that you are listening and you'd like to hear us there, let us know. And we'll do everything we can to get on the air there as well. I am Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. And you have been listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. You don't stop, rock the rhythm, that'll make your body rock. Well, so far you heard my voice, but I brought two friends along. And next on the mic is my man Hank. Come on, Hank, sing that song. Check it out, I'm the C-A-S-N, the O-V-A, and the rest is F-L-Y. You see, I go by the code of the doctor of the mix, and these reasons I'll tell you why. You see, I'm six foot one, and I'm tons of fun, and I guess to a D. You see, I got more clothes than Muhammad Ali, and I dress so viciously. I got bodyguards, I got two big guards, I definitely ain't the whack. I got a Lincoln Continental and a some new Cadillac. So after school, I take a dip in the pool, which is really on the wall. I got a color TV so I can see the Knicks play basketball. Him and talking my checkbook, credit
God's more money than a sucker could ever spend. But I wouldn't give a sucker or a bum from the rock and not a dime till I made it again. Everybody go, oh, tell, mo, tell, what you gonna do today? Cause I'm gonna get a fly girl, gonna get some spank and drive off in a death OJ. Everybody go, oh, tell, mo, tell, holiday in. See, if your girl starts acting up, then you take a friend. I'm Master G. Oh, my is on you, so what you gonna do? Well, it's on and on and on and on and on. The beat don't stop until the break of dawn. I said a M-A-S, a T-E-R, a G with a double E. I said I go by the unforgettable name of the man they call a Master G. Well, my name is known all over the world by all the foxy ladies and the pretty girls. I'm going down in history as the baddest rapper that ever could be. Now I'm feeling the highs and you're feeling the lows. The beat starts getting into your toe. You start popping your fingers and stopping your feet and moving your body while you're sitting and you're sitting. Then damn, you start doing the freak. I said bam, I ride it out of your seat. Then you throw your hands high in the air. You're rocking to the rhythm, shake your dairy. Yeah, you're rocking to the beat without a care. Cruise to the show, a shot MC.